It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. And welcome everyone to the Manson Mitchell Show. My name is Lauren Archer and I'll be your guest host today while Gary and Suzanne are taking the weekend off. Helping me with today's show is your favorite in the studio engineer, tall guy, Nathan Miller. Hello, Nathan. Good How are you Good morning, Lauren, and happy Labor Day weekend to you. Got a little extra day off, I'm sure. Yes, I'm going to be enjoying it with some friends. Uh, we are here in the Seattle area, and I know we have people listening all over the country, so I want to welcome everyone who is here today. You have any fun plans for the weekend, Nathan? I'm actually going to be flying out of SeaTac Airport on Labor Day Monday, so wish me the best of luck with those TSA lines, but going out over oh, yeah. to the Kentucky area to see my niece and attend a Mariners game. They're going to be in Cincinnati as well. Lots of things going on all over a few days. So it's going to be a jam-packed few days coming up. Very, very fun. Well, I hope that all of our listeners have some ways to enjoy the weekend. We're going to give you some fun things to think about. uh, And maybe you'll have some stories to tell after this weekend. Because my guest today is Melissa Reeves. Melissa is an executive storytelling mentor and advisor who helps professionals hone the craft of business storytelling. And I met Melissa several years ago at a cocktail party. We were both standing there with our partners, holding a glass of wine, looking at each other going, I know you from somewhere. Yeah, 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 I know. You look super familiar. Was it Eastside Women in Business? No, maybe it was the National Organization for Women. No, no, that wasn't it. So anyway, after about a dozen comparisons, we chalked it up to past lives. We're kindred spirits and have been friends ever since. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background before I toss the proverbial microphone over to Melissa. So back then when I met her, she was just launching her now thriving company called Story Fruition where she and her team members mentor executives globally, showing them how to create mind movies that transform hearts and minds. And she has since mentored leaders at Microsoft, Broadcom, World Affairs Council, Washington State University's Executive MBA Program, Seattle U's Entrepreneur Program, the Korean Startup Center, and an expansive list of hundreds of startups and nonprofits. Her interactive and entertaining business book, The Storyteller's Mind Movie, hit number one in business communications. And Melissa's own award-winning storytelling has been seen on the Moth Story Slam stages, multiple podcasts, Fresh Ground Stories, Ignite Seattle, Story Collider, NPR, and PBS. She really walks the storytelling talk. So, Melissa, I know you are on a mission to create millions of amazing, emotionally connected leaders in business across the globe. And and I've had the chance to witness firsthand the life-changing power of how this impacts people's lives. How did you get started doing this? (laughs) Well, first off, thanks, Lauren, for having me on the show. I'm I'm, I'm very grateful appreciative. Um, And that was a very nice intro. So thank you. Uh, So how did I get started? Well, I started acting at the age of nine. Okay. And 
an actor is always taught that the only thing that matters is the audience that when people come into that theater they want to escape their lives they want to focus on someone else's world right and our job as the actors is to provide that entertainment as we also are probably teaching some sort of sage lesson in life my career however didn't keep going down the full acting road once my my business career took off and i was in sales and marketing and then that turned in which was always about it was advertising so it was always about the audience once again like how are you going to get them to read your ad when you're in looking at flipping through the oc weekly newspaper which i was working for at the time or when i went into ad tech it was like it's all about the audience target the audience and make sure that they are getting an experience that matters to them then I got into really high tech ad tech, and I was at levels as high as Oracle, working with giant, giant uh, names that you would all recognize, and you've already named a few of them. And we were terrible presenting to people. I mean, we would just dump slides all over the place, not think about them quite as much as we should be. And it was kind of shocking. And so when I um, decided that it was time for me to start my company, which that's a, an own, its own story, um, I realized that when speakers stand up and have an audience in front of them, let's help them connect. Let's not data dump. Let's not like have so many charts and graphs that they really aren't emotionally connecting to. Let's show them how they can tell their own stories in their career. Tell them really, really well. And that's where my acting stuff finally showed back up in my life. And so um, that's how that's that's one way that this company started was just me living it and wanting to change it and knowing it could change. Well, I know you've got some great stories about how you launched. I want to just speaking of the audience. So people listening, they're curious. How do I use stories in my life? Why should we even care about learning about telling stories? And I wanted to have give you a chance to share what happens in people's brains and bodies mm -hmm. when they're either listening to, you know, charts and graphs and figures and things like that, or if they're listening to a story, how does that actually chemically change us? Oh, it's transformative. So when think about it, when you've been in a meeting and someone's got a whole bunch of charts and graphs and pie charts, do you get excited? You're like, wow, that's an amazing pie chart. <laughs> but we need we need this data though in business because the pie chart's telling us something. It's telling us a story about people in some way that 78% of these people are like this and they're very upset about it, you know, and you're the hero. So why wouldn't you want to ignite? telling a story because what happens when you do that is so when we're looking at the chart the neocortex part of our brain is looking at that chart and it is not emotional it is looking at numbers it's looking at graphs it's just analyzing so it's like just the intellectual part of our of our yeah, mind. it's the logical it's the analytical it's like so i know a lot of people who are in finance or they're they're scientists and they live in data and i kind of joke i'm like it's like you're living in the neocortex gym you are buff you you can crunch any number that you see and it's pretty powerful let's cross the street over that here to just, the limbic system you just, you just painted a picture a neocortex gym i love that 
and we're going to keep going because we're going to cross the street to the limbic system. And the limbic system is having a party. It, it's having a good time. It's listening for the story. And it's not even listening to the words. It's listening for the emotion. And when it feels the emotion of what the story is telling, like if it's really poignant, it's going to kick in oxytocin into the into the brain. And you're going to feel your heart and your, your, your giving spirit. So like nonprofits, you should be all over telling stories about your constituents that you serve. Because when those people are kind of buzzed with a paddle in their hand and you open their heart like that, they're going to open their checkbooks as well. So that's very powerful. If you sell, if you sell something really exciting, you know, like, I don't know, you're a roller coaster salesperson or you're extreme sports person, you want to hit dopamine, right? And so that's where you just, you might, the way you use your tone, the way you use your words and the images that you're creating are all becoming pictures inside of our minds. And what's so fun is that now when you are telling the story and it's vivid, we can see it, we can hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it. And we don't even realize consciously, a lot of us don't even realize that that is happening. And what you have then is you have the audience's imagination and their biochemical neurotransmitters (laughs) in the palm of your hand. So knowing that you as a storyteller and a presenter have that power you have an obligation to keep entertaining them as you educate, or like what I like to say is edutain, you know? And when you do, you're going to have a far more effective uh, response from the audience of more engagement, uh, question asking. Uh, they can feel it. They can relate. A lot of times people will say, that reminds me of my friend who went through that. Or, oh my God, I went through that. I'm in. And that's what you want to do. You cannot relate with a with a chart like you can relate with the story that the chart's saying. Yeah. So I'm hearing that it's making an emotional connection with people. Definitely. So, you know, um, I know that you've helped people get promoted using storytelling um, and actually use these skills to elevate their careers. Can you give us an example? Oh, yeah. Seen it several times. And in fact... I think some of Story Fruition's favorite clients are the rising stars, the ones that are brilliant at what they do, but they know or they've been told, you're not that good of a communicator. And you've got to be, I mean, storytelling and presentations are essential in business. So if you are boring or drab or scared and nervous, and that's what happens, public speaking is so scary for people. And when I come in and help them go, you know what, you're going to do a presentation, but let's go through the storytelling door. They're like, storytelling? Yeah. We're going to find moments in your career or moments in this company where you guys just rocked it. And instead of just saying, we surpassed our goal by 201%, let's tell that story. Who was involved? right? Who who was there? Who were the players? What were the stakes of going on in that success story that your company was the hero in solving? And so we teach them that. And I have seen time and time again that when they realize how powerful they are and how how effective the story thing is going on in the room with them, yes, I have seen elevations in careers. Uh, we had an SVP in finance and that happened to her. And here, if you think about it, like finance is, you know, everyone's pretty much expecting the P&L to be flashed up on that board, right? All and, right. So uh, wait, 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 I'm going to interrupt you. So SVP is a, is what? Senior vice president. So senior vice president of finance. And so she's all money, all money. She knows it. And you could point to anything in any graph. And I could say, what happened here? We did not recognize revenue. 
I'm like, okay, what happened? And then she was like, oh, well, we had this customer that we thought everything was going to go perfectly fine. And we made all of our assumptions, but then we realized that they had some technology that they didn't even know was existing. And for our system to be able to integrate into that, it was kind of like a spider web. But what happened was the engineers came in looking like rock stars and they fixed it. And not only are we going to get the revenue a little later than we planned, but we are also so much more held in regard by the client because they saw how powerful our 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 engineering team could be. I'm like, tell that story. <laughs> Did not recognize revenue is not nearly as interesting as that. Yeah, and she did. And she did. And she did it. And we had pictures that were representing uh, calm waters versus choppy waters because every startup goes through ebbs and flows. We all know it. But how do you tell the story of how you're redirecting the boat? And so in the very opening, she said, it's very clear when you learn the stories about what I'm about to share, that this team is all in the same boat. And she had an image of a canoe looking straight towards calm waters. And when she said that, everyone in the boardroom cannot help but see themselves in that boat with her. And that is a mind movie. Okay, she's ignited the mind movie. And they're, they're all in there. They're all in that boat. And so when she said choppy waters, we had images of choppy waters. And then it, it softened, you know, when they had a dip. Because that's called business. You have dips every now and then. And that's why you appreciate the flow, right? When it is coming in back the way you wanted it. So, yeah, um, we've seen quite a bit of that. So That is a really great example. Because I think a lot of people think that storytelling is not for them or it's, you know, um, it, it's something you do on stage. Uh, it's not part of everyday communication. And I think you're really breaking that myth. You're showing that it can be used in so many different uh, capacities. So there, that was one example of uh, how someone really in the executive suite, a senior mm -hmm. vice president in finance, uh, used storytelling to elevate her career. Um, what would be another example that maybe people don't think of, of how we can use storytelling to change lives? Oh, yeah. Well, and just to top it off, she did get CFO. She got chief financial officer. And when she oh. was done with that presentation, the chairman of the board said that was the best unpacking of a P&L. I have ever seen. Wow. <laughs> so that was good. Wow. But yes, I mean, we can take the boredom out of the boardroom for sure. I've seen uh, my method used even in one of the driest meetings, I think that there is on the planet. And that's a shareholders meeting. You know, I had another CFO that was like, we do, we can be more colorful when, while we're reporting this. It's a little more stringent there, but you can still do it. But other ways can be like, think about, you know, you're in your company, you have town halls or you have all hands meetings and you want to talk about the quarter. Well, who were your who were your heroes that quarter or what were the problems? And as a leader, how do you take that on and be honest and transparent? And do you have personal time in your career prior where you could just tell that story as you're talking to your team that you can say, so from my experience when I was a teenager, I learned that you need to be patient when you're in an ebb, you know, and you tell that story. So then you say, so this is where we are right now just like I was when I was a kid, you know, but this is what we can do. And so people will start to, they'll, they'll relate to you because they're like seeing you at 17 years old as you're telling this story and you're being vulnerable and real. And that makes you magnetic. So town halls are great. Recruitment. 
Um, sales, obviously. And something that we're doing with Story Fruition is because I was in sales forever. Um, so you need stories. <laughs> like when you start a company and you're drinking from the fire hose, you, you, uh, just all the data that they're they're throwing at you, and you're trying to learn where the coffee house, coffee pot is, and all that. Um, you really need customer success stories, and these are different than what I typically saw. So we saw mostly customer success stu- uh, case studies. So we're taking case studies and we're converting them into case stories, which means that we want to have the listener actually feel like they're in the room when that particular case study was actually happening. And then you add, and then we weave in the numbers. We weave in the numbers into the um, into the narrative. We also do storytelling in pitches. So if you are uh, looking to raise capital, that's really where I started. Um, we started at Seattle University's business plan competition and God bless them because they were like, storytelling, huh? Okay, hmm. let's give it a whirl. And four years later and and four years later, not only are they keeping story fruition as their coaches, but we are now expanding into their MBA program. So please, may the leaders coming out of the MBA program start to learn and master storytelling because you will you will draw in so much more uh, success, I think, with recruitment, with clients, with funding, when you become a storyteller. Yeah, I'm I'm remembering examples. I've had the privilege of sitting in the room with you while you were coaching a couple of clients. And there are things that stand out in my mind. And I I you know, I know that we can't necessarily tell client stories, but for example, someone, you know, in in a financial or actuarial position, having gone through a fire and being able to tell a story of what happened when they didn't have fire insurance and the impact of that. I mean, you cannot help but be moved when you hear it, but you've got a particular method that you teach. And I want to, I want to spend a few minutes on that. So your book, the storyteller's Mm -hmm. mind movie, which has hit number one in business communications, you've got a way that I think the average person can wrap their brain around how to do this. So can you give us just one or two of the frameworks that you use so we can start thinking about, okay, what does this mean in my life? How could I maybe start using some of these ideas to tell a story? Well, grab a notebook and put a timer on for five minutes and I'll give you a prompt. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of prompts in the book. And so, so what I mean by a prompt is it's like, I might just say, share time with me when you learned that you are resilient and just whatever comes up first. And it could be after a divorce or um, after having 17 children. I know someone has 17 kids. I'm like, you must be resilient. (laughs) (laughs) But like, what is a moment that comes up? And then you start to, that's called story mining, where you're starting to look for your own story. And the process that we have is that we start with story mining. We're looking for the moment that you had a realization, the light bulb went over your head and turned on bright and you went, oh, I get it. Mm. That is an aha moment. And those have been happening for about five seconds in your life for your entire life. And so what we want to do is we want to find those little beautiful moments when you learn something, because that means you grew. That means you expanded. So when we find that and people will start talking pretty general at the beginning of their story, and what we do is we go in there and we start mining for the details because we're looking for like someone might say, um, 
So uh, the first time that I I met Microsoft, they were really you know upset about not being able to handle the data in one spot. And it's like, okay, who <laughs> who was it? You know, we can change their name, but what were they like uh, when we walked into their office? What did the office look like? Did it smell like anything? Did you did he have coffee in his hands? Like, what are things that we could bring out that will start to spark the senses? All right. Mm -hmm. And so now we move into story crafting with you. We start finding the details and then finding the characters, identifying the relationships. What are the stakes of the story and where, you know, where were you in life? How old were you? What was your frame of mind at that time? Were you happy? Were you sad? There's lots of things that are going on. And in the book, we call it Crow. <laughs> characters, relationships, objective and where. And business people love acronyms. So I'm so happy that I can give you this acronym from the lovely land of improv where I learned it. Because <laughs> hmm. you got to have it all. You got to know who the characters are so that we can see them. We got to understand the relationships. We got to know the stakes. And when you use the W for where, it's so much fun. You get to paint pictures literally in the, in the audience's minds. And they're all painting their own picture. They're all having their own story, mind, movie, making fun. Okay, because you're doing such a great job and you can tell when when they're doing well, because you see people smiling, nodding their heads, or if it's a poignant story, maybe they're, they're nailed, you know, like you could hear a pin drop. They're so quiet. That's a good sign sometimes. So, um, yeah, we have quite a process. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So Crow, characters, relationships, objectives, and where, and you said you learned that from the world of improv and you were in mm -hmm. improv uh, for many years, still are, I believe. I Tell still me. am. Yeah. Unexpected productions. Yep. Mm -hmm. The so home of theater sports for 40 years. I love it. How does that experience overlay into what you're doing with storytelling? Well, you know, it's interesting. So I, you know, you're in the limbic system, Jim, I, I work out there a lot. I'm buff in the limbic system, Jim. I'm ripped. Um, because improv really is just muscle that you're working to, to, to fuel stories. Improvisers are telling stories on the fly. And that's why we had to learn crow because, you know, if you're, if you and I were in a scene, people need to know, are we sisters? Are we, are we neighbors? Do we like each other, et cetera? So I learned that there. And then when we are in a session with a client, what happens is, and, and all of my coaches are trained in this too, most of them are either, they, they all have heavy business uh, experience, but they're also, many of them are storytellers or improvisers, or they've, they've had an acting background. And what we do is the stories are kind of all over the place when we start mining them, right? Because people who are new to this don't know how to make, and it's never going to be linear. There could be time travel going on. There's going to be all sorts of cool stuff that we can do with your story. My improv skills allows me to hear this meandering story and they might, we might be mining for 20 to 30 minutes. And then I just kind of feel this flow and it's ready to come out. And I'm like, I'm ready. Are you ready? And then I just use my improv skills and I play back their entire story, but I do it in a mind movie way. And it's kind of powerful. I mean, it's really powerful because when they when they see it done in a mind movie where characters are talking, you can hear my inner thoughts. You know how I'm feeling. You can you can hear it, see it, smell it, taste it. All of that. When they see that their own story can be told like that, well, it's a beautiful moment. 
I've seen, I've seen, you know, 57 year old men hear their own story and come to tears and I say, I, it. it's, like you're, it's like you're mirroring it back to them. Like you're listening for their story and you're picking out the key pieces and then you're able to present it as an actor would on stage using the skills, uh, some of the things that you shared and the dialogue and all that. And then they see it as if they're in the audience. And that is, it sounds like a life-changing experience. We had a client not too long ago say, I don't know how to say this other than I feel like this is really positive therapy. Because <laughs> we were finding that. great stories. We were finding great stories and he was realizing how cool he is. You know, because we're finding his stories, we're capturing them, putting them in storyboards, we're teaching him how he can he can tell it. Where it's still him. That people aren't. I don't expect people to try to be an actor. In fact, most of our clients never stepped on a stage. Mm-hmm. But isn't it helpful to have a coach? It's like when I was growing up in in in, in the Olympics, there was a a, a Russian uh, gymnast Nadia Comaneci, and she was blowing it away. She had so many gold medals; everyone was watching her. She could stick her landing like that's what they. I think when you want to stick your landing, you think in my in my age group, Nadia Comaneci. Well, wouldn't you want if you were going to study gymnastics? Wouldn't you want her to be your coach? <laughs> you know, so yeah. to have someone who has that experience and has a business background, it's very, it's very complimentary to help the client see that they have so much beautiful wisdom. And if they could tell it just more vibrant, vibrantly, mm-hmm. oh, when they see that, it's, it is a pretty beautiful moment. I have goosebumps going on most of the day. I believe <laughs> it. Yes. Well, I do want to talk more about that um, and, and about how, so many people don't think that their life even has anything interesting. They don't think that they have interesting stories to tell, but then after working with you and working with this process and listening to the prompts and finding out those aha moments, all of a sudden that they're telling their story in a different way and it changes how they communicate, but it also changes how they think about themselves. So we're going to go there Uh, I've got a bunch more questions for you. And I also want to make sure that we let people know how we can find you. We're going to do that after the break. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, let's during the break, is there a a story prompt that people could be thinking about? You gave us one. Yes. How about this? I love childhood stories. When was a time in your younger life from teens to early 20s, mostly teens, though, or, or even younger, that you had an indicator of what you do today, but you, you, you were good at something that you are doing really well today. Like, so for instance, you know, maybe you had an awesome lemonade stand and you advertised it at 12 years old. And that made you an incredible marketer instinct today that you're doing. That's a great question. All right. We're going to, we're going to talk more about stories with Melissa Reeves, author of the storyteller's mind movie after this break. Thanks for listening to Manson Mitchell. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. 
staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. And you're listening to the Manson Mitchell Show. My name is Lauren Archer. I am your guest host today. And we are here with Melissa Reeves of Story Fruition, author of the Storyteller's Mind movie. And before we went to break, we tossed out a prompt and we're going to have some fun in the studio. Melissa, I'm going to let you take it and uh, we're going to invite Nathan to play with us. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, Nathan, you're you're in the hot seat. So it's not that hot. Don't worry. Um. So yes, we threw out a prompt, and in order for people to really understand and get when I say a mind movie versus someone just telling a story, I thought, well, let's show them. Let's show them. So the prompt was, when was a time in your younger life? It could be teens, maybe even early college. I don't know, Nathan, but you are a sound engineer at a radio station now. Mm -hmm. You seem to really be enjoying your work. When was the first time in your life where you realized that now when you look back, it makes sense that you're doing this work today? Oh, that is none other than when I took my first broadcasting class in college, uh, community college. And I'll tell you a little bit about how I got there before I was a musician. I played in uh, keyboards at my church and then ended up doing like sound engineering and mixing for the house, which I still do today. But I was thinking about making a career about that. So I went to college and started taking audio engineering classes. And I took the first one and then the second one and pretty much thought I had my mindset on becoming an audio engineer or studio engineer. Well, there was another quarter that I was getting ready to take the advanced class, and I didn't have any opportunity to do that because they didn't offer the advanced class during that quarter I was going into. 
So I was just looking around at other courses because I wanted to do something that was related to audio. And I heard about this basic broadcasting class because you'll work with broadcasting boards and do a little bit of audio work. And I said, sure, okay, I'll go ahead and do that. Well, I was taking the course and about two weeks into that course, I knew that it was broadcasting that I wanted to do, just the versatility and the stability of it too, because being a studio engineer, that's a lot of like booking and in a lot of cases is not very stable or consistent work that you need to do. But with the basic broadcasting, I was able to be opened up to that consistency and I just, like I said, fell in love with it and everything that was going on. And at that point was when I shifted my career focus from audio engineering to broadcasting and communications and media production. And okay, so I took the great. advanced classes at Bellevue College and ended up going up to Western Washington University. I found out that they had a nice college Yay. radio station to get involved with. The kid and goes there. Every single quarter <laughs> I was there. I was involved with their radio station, did that as soon as I could, and then took internships and got involved with a lot of the local low-power radio stations and other forms of media and uh, ended up here. Awesome. Okay, great. Okay, I'm going to ask a few questions now, so thank you. So we've kind of got an idea of your education of that. Um, I might ask a few weird questions. You're going to be like, what? Um, sure. What what is it about audio that you fell in love with? Like, what is it about it that like is so attractive to you? Because we all listen, we all hear, but I've never thought I've got to study this. Oh, that's a really good question. I grew up uh, being interested in the creation of music. When I started playing mm -hmm. piano, I wasn't the typical, you know, take your hands and bang them on the keys and go like bang, 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 bang. I was actually. Yeah playing this one song I was really uh how old oh I had to have been about three to five years old very okay. young on a mm -hmm. upright piano and uh oh to joy I figured out on my own how to play the tune oh to joy chords? by Beethoven not the chords but just the single notes uh-huh uh -huh. but I would sit there and study it and figure it out and so I guess I already had that uh drive to create sound or music in a way that made sense and enjoyable rather than chaos. There you go. Now see how interesting that is? At three to five years old, you already had the instinct. You thought it was college, but it was three to five years old. So when you were I kind of relate to this too. So when you were when you were playing that music, who around you was noticing that this three year old is figuring out Ode to Joy? That would have like, been my and parents what was the reaction? and my grandparents. It was kind of like what I was saying. is like, you know, this kid, he's not doing the usual banging on the keys. He's really sitting there and studying and figuring it out. Who said that? Uh, my mom said those words specifically. I'm sure my grandparents probably did at some point, too, or observed that. Uh -huh. But that's where I heard it from was, was my mom. What, and did your mom uh, start driving that? idea to get you into piano lessons and other yes, music lessons or exactly. did you okay so did, was she a musician she played was the there flute. music running in your family she played the flute okay and so she understood it and did anyone else play instruments 
that's as much as I know within my family. My brother did uh, clarinet for a bit and bass, but never oh. really took on to it. I mean, he kind of started and then stopped. But as far as like, consistent musicians, that's what it would be, me and my mom. How old were you when you first wrote your first song? I have not written a song yet. You haven't written a song. So you just like to take, you like to study existing music? Mm-hmm. Do covers and then play by ear. And, and then play like by a ear. church band, I said. Okay. So I'd never and so- really written a full song. I mean, I've played around and tried to create them, but never actually, you know, put it onto paper. So when you got the job at the church, which is the other area I wanted to go into, um, just tell us a little bit like how you sold yourself. How old were you and how'd you sell yourself into it? I was just graduating college and I was playing in a pool league, actually, and talking with one of the people I was playing against and what we do. And I said, yeah, I do like sound mixing for a radio station and production. And he informed me that he was a chief engineer at a church here in the Newcastle area and asked me if I was interested in doing some house mixing for that church. And so they brought me into the church and they interviewed me and had me do a few things and asked me some questions like about mixing and my ability to work with musicians. And he said, yeah, I think we'll give it a shot and then let you go. And I've been there about six years now. Wow. And then it's gotten you to this level. Okay. So I don't want to take too much more time. Normally we we would mine a story a little bit longer, but this is what a session looks like. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're, we're trying to find these stories in your life that can tell who you are. That's why my company's story fruition. It's like, how did you get here? Mm-hmm. And then just find these moments. And I'm not going to get it completely right. Okay. But I just want you to kind of see how we can tell your story. This is on the fly, but how do we tell it so that it's super vibrant and, and, and moving in the direction? Of, of how you got to who you are. So I'm going to give it a shot with your permission, knowing sure. I'm not going to get it completely right. Okay. <laughs> Go for okay. it. Okay. And you grew up here in Seattle? Yes. Okay. Born and raised. Okay. And you said Newcastle? Is that the area you were in? Like where I was you, born? Where you, or No, where were you raising when you oh, were three years in old? the Renton area. Renton. Okay, got it. I'm three years old, and I can't believe what's before my eyes. It's big and it has white keys and it has dark keys. And when you touch them, they make sounds. I start taking my tiny little fingers and I start to tickle those little ivory keys to see what they can do. And I start to realize if I go in a certain order, I can start to make the sound make sense. I'm not pounding like Jimmy down the street does. I'm actually trying to make this make music. My mother looks over at me. Nathan, that's really good. Is that Frank? Is that Ode to Joy? Is Nathan figuring out Ode to Joy right now by Chopin? He is. And my mother knew that already I was on a path to something. And so she wanted to nurture it. She loved the flute. I'm going to learn piano. My brother learned clarinet. But I just took to the idea that composing numbers and and notes and counting them out and creating crescendos and decrescendos was amazing. I'm now 18 years old and I'm attending college and I am hooked on sound. 
And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do sound engineering and I'm going to change the world of chaos and make it calm and interesting and multifaceted, all multifascinating all the way through my career until I realized, uh oh, it's getting better. Here comes broadcasting. And once I realized that I could now take even more than just sound, I could use my own voice, I could help other people, I could layer in music. It just keeps getting better. And so to this day, I'm not only helping people with this radio station, I'm helping people in their church so that they have a vibrant experience every Sunday because the music and the layers that I put together are what makes their hearts sing when they're singing those songs. And that's why I do what I do. Wow. <laughs> that <laughs> Whenever I get a personal website, that is going in my about page on the bio. That yeah. was just spectacular. <laughs> Except for story. one thing, though. One thing, though. One thing, though. Got the names of your parents wrong. <laughs> you, uh, Ode to Joy was written by Beethoven, not Chopin. Oh, but, sorry. You I know told you. Funny? Chopin? It's funny yeah. that you brought up Chopin because he wrote the uh, Polish national anthem, which I have blood for. So <laughs> Chopin was go. a part of it. I was uh, encouraged Maybe I was feeling to it. learn I don't the know. national anthem for Poland by my mom as well. Yeah. But, but what did you like about it? What, did, what, what made you enjoy hearing your own story? That that's who I am. You know, like... Mm. It's taking a while to process that there's this so much, but it's like, that's the person I am. And then mm -hmm. sometimes you think about who you want to be, but that's who I am. And it reminds me of every step I took to get there and focus yeah. on the core values. Mm -hmm. And there's more stories in yes. there. It's there not things that I. <laughs> It's not we're you you all we are walking storybooks, but but things that I did deliberately was I wanted you to see the piano. So I, you know, and I want and I kind of talked young at that point. I'm three years old and mm -hmm. I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know. But then when you got older, I changed my voice to to sound more mature. And I wanted the audience, and did you? Did you see little fingers going on to the keys? Yes, I did. And instead of tickling, I could just feel my fingers like just very slowly pressing down on them and just very softly pressing them. And it's like, oh, yep. yeah, it makes I saw sounds. That. Just slowly learning that instinct. Mm -hmm. And then your mother spoke. So I brought in your parents, and I did it through simply through her dialogue. So she'd be like, Nathan, mm -hmm. are you? You know, and she's, she's talking, and then I toss over, Frank, are you hearing what he's doing right now? Now, when I added dialogue, I took it from a 2D narration to a scene now. And I had characters in there who, do you think the parents liked each other by the way I had her talk to the husband? It wasn't like, Nathan, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, Maybe if I was banging was loving, on the keys, it would be like that. <laughs> but I threw in Jimmy. I threw in a friend down the street because you said I didn't do chaos. So there's little things that, that we look for that you might think wasn't even important during the mining. And I don't even know it. But all of a sudden it comes out and I got to get that chaos thing into your story. So we threw it over to Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jimmy's over there banging on the tiny little play school piano and you are creating music. So those are things that we do. And that that's where we, we take a story and we transform it into the way the person tells it so that it's so vivid it's a mind movie and and those are things that we can do right the details 
feelings and the dialogue. And it's not just the words or the audio. I mean, I could even feel like I saw my mom coming back around my right shoulder and just like kind of putting her left hand on my right shoulder and just kind of leaning down and saying, this is really good in a very, (laughs) very pleasant manner. Lauren, what'd you see? Oh my gosh. Well, I saw a transformation. I saw, you know, at first Nathan was telling us the story, but you know, he was just telling us a a list of things that happened in his past. And then you brought it to life and it became a scene that I got immersed in. And I got to know Nathan in a different way. I got to experience him and his energy. I saw the pictures. I saw the mom and dad. I could, I put myself in a room. I mean, it was my house, right? I imagined my own house, uh, but still I was able to relate on that level. Right. And then um, I got a sense of his passion and his drive. So yeah, it, it's, you can see from this example, how life-changing that little, and that was what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And that was just a taste. So <laughs> And, and Nathan, you you did make a great point, though, because people are like, why? Why should I create my own story library? Why do I need to do this? And you can already see he immediately said, I'm going to take that story and put it on my website. I'm going to make that about me or about us. And that'll be my story. And everyone on your team and your company has stories like that. And we can find those stories for them. But, you know, there are a million different ways that you can use them. You can use them in keynotes as well. You know, tech talks, you know, like. And I've already mentioned other ones, boardrooms and stuff like that. So storytelling is happening all day long and just dig into your own life, which is what the book is about. You know, dig into your life. There's a companion journal. (laughs) I got a ton of prompts in the the companion journal and just let let go and see what happens. This would be a good time, I think, to let people know where they can find out more about the work you do, Story Fruition, and how they can work with you um, either one-on-one in coaching to elevate their business professionalism, or like we just did with Nathan, if they want to you know, share a story for their own website, or maybe working with uh, friends and family members. So what, what will we find? How do we find you? The easiest way is to go to the website. So it's storyfruition.com, um, F-R-U-I-T-I-O-N. Sometimes people get stuck on that one, but that's okay. <laughs> but storyfruition.com. And if you do, if you go at the very first thing you'll see at the top is you will see um, that you can download a free uh, story prompt work, a digital one. And it's, it's really fun. So what you can, you'll do is you'll see a whole bunch of questions. It'll be things like, and in, in the very first page, I just want you to just write down really quickly. So it might be, tell us a story of resilience. When was the time in your childhood that you blank? Uh, when, uh, uh, when did you have to think outside the box? And think about what that might be and then just write. Then you go down further into the workbook and you get to answer those questions and then write them out. Let them, let them flow out of you. Do not stop. Do not try to you know, do any grammar corrections. It doesn't matter. We just need to get that little zygote story out of you. (laughs) And then you can start to nurture it and grow it like we did with Nathan. I love it. I love it. So storyfruition.com. And then um, you've got- follow us too. Yeah, we're all over socials. Yeah. Social media. Okay, great. Yep. 
Uh, and you've got your book, The Storyteller's Mind Movie, that's available on Amazon. Uh, anything you want to share about that? Um, please, you know, enjoy the book. The processes are all there. I tried to break it down so that it's it's approachable, it's easy, and you'll know, you know, all all different levels of crow. Uh, there's a ton of stories from executives that we have found over the course of the years since we've been going around, and very soon. There will be the audiobook too, which you'll hear lots of, you'll hear me narrating, but then you'll hear executives telling their stories that represent what I'm teaching in that particular uh, chapter. So I think it's going to be a very entertaining and, well, I should say edutaining audiobook as well. And I do believe, though, like getting all three is important because when you read it, you lock it into your brain and you can write in it and you can highlight it. The companion journals where you're going to start to sprout your own stories and then the audio you get to listen you know you're driving to work it's good it's a good story to listen to and you can really lock it in and it's kind of inspiring when you hear other people who are just like you doing something just like that and you can too i love it perfect all right so everybody be sure to check out storyfruition.com melissa reeves is our uh, guest today and you can polish your own storytelling skills and you can see just a little tiny taste of what's possible. Um, there's a, a story that you share, um, speaking of audio, about the tone. Can you do a couple of minutes on that, uh, the driving in the car with my dad oh. and, <clears throat> and illustrate uh, how our tone of voice, pacing, things like that can really make a difference in how we tell a story? Yes, this is actually some a crowd pleaser in, in when we're doing corporate workshops and we're teaching large people, uh, large audience, not large people, but large audiences, <laughs> like at once, how the, the, the premise of this stuff. But yes, um, so think about this. This is more mind movie. Um, the, uh, so if I say I'm driving in the car with my dad, what do you see? Probably not a lot because I'm not giving you a lot. Okay. But what if I say, it's a Sunday morning and the sky is so blue and I am flying down a back country road with my dad in his red convertible and we are listening to the Rolling Stones. I totally got in your head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does my relationship with my father seem pleasant by the way yes. I'm talking? Absolutely. Yep. I can hear the tone of your voice. Uh, it's Am I having fun? Do I like, you know, and when you, when I said back country road, were you originally, when I said I'm flying down, did you, I mean, as soon as I say back country road, that's different than the 405, right? So yep. what did you see in your minds when I said back country road? And were you yep. aware of it? Some people are like, I saw fields yep. or mountains, you know, and what's happening is they're entertaining. Okay. Now I'm going to say the same thing. And now watch. It's a Sunday morning. And the sky is really blue. And I am flying down a backcountry road with my father in his red convertible, listening to the Rolling Stones. Wow. Same words. Same exact words. Different mind completely, movie. Completely <laughs> different mind movie. Whoa. All of a sudden, your relationship with your father changes. I can tell there's something, you know, the emotional tone of that changes my perception of the story. Mm -hmm. ah. And am I happy? And do I even like Rolling Stones? And for those of you who like Rolling Stones, what song did you hear? 
What song did you hear in the first version? What song did you maybe hear in the second? I don't know. Doesn't matter. You're entertained and I've got you. Yeah. Beautiful. Fabulous Mm -hmm. example of the power of not just the words, the images and the emotional tone. So when you mentioned, what was it? It was the crow. So characters, relationship, objectives, and where. Same words in both of those renditions of the story, but the relationship between the characters and the the where in terms of the emotional energy com- was completely different. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love Thank it. Thank you. And just Good job, to- <laughs> mind movie maker. <laughs> and just to hear how good Melissa Reeves is at portraying stuff. You've all been in a Zoom meeting before where somebody is recording it. And then there's a little lady that says recording in progress. Melissa, give us your impression of that right now. Recording in progress. And now here's the real. Recording ended. (laughs) Here's the real one. Recording in progress. (laughs) Recording stopped. Recording stopped. Just like my life. That is (laughs) spot on. I don't know why I said just like my life. I was going to make her depressed. (laughs) Well, so speaking of Melissa's talent, uh, she is also a storyteller on stage. She performs at The Moth, which is a Mm -hmm. national public radio sponsored uh, global uh, storytelling uh, show. And there's one coming up in Seattle, isn't there? You're going to be there is one coming up. You throw your name in the hat. And I always tell my clients, I'm like, get out there and at least go to The Moth because or fresh Brown Stories or Unexpected Productions has a storytelling program. You know, the more you study it, the more you watch it, the better you're going to get too, because you're listening for new tips. You're probably, I'm hoping everyone who hears this today is going to think about their own stories much differently than they had before. And we hope you're valuing it. But yeah, The Moth is great. Um, I was, I just did their Grand Slam in March, and that was just a massively fun experience at, at Town Hall. Um, so yeah, come out, support storytelling. It's it's an essential business skill and it's an essential life skill. It is. And the stories we tell ourselves about our lives and how we do it makes a difference in how we feel about ourselves and how we show up and how we relate to other people. And I, I do want to say it is, you know, so, well, let me ask you this, Melissa, is, is it something that people are born with or is it a skill that can be developed? Oh, that's a great question. I think some of us, it depends on the cloth from which you're built, right? So, you know, actors are natural storytellers. Salespeople are probably more natural storytellers. But everyone, this is a coachable thing. This is absolutely something that can be nurtured. Um, And I have had some very resistant clients at the beginning who had high anxiety about anything like this, didn't think they could do it. And then when they'd see me play their story back, they'd start to realize, well, maybe I can. Maybe I can. I mean, it's just words coming out of my mouth, but it's much more fun. So you can also, you were talking about, you know, the stories we tell ourselves, you know, you can tell, you can tell a story the way you want to tell that story, right? Like you can tell a story of maybe something that was really hard that happened in your life and it was really painful for you to look back on, or you can look at that, that event and find the gold of who you are. And you can retell that story in a way to yourself and to others where you're now empowered instead of being in that victim kind of place. And I I say that respectfully, but like the stories you tell yourself are probably even more important than the stories that you'll finally bring out to the public. (laughs) Because as Nathan said, that is me. I love it. 
Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us. Thank you to Gary and Suzanne for inviting me to host the Manson Mitchell Show. Everybody check out storyfruition.com. And Nathan, thanks for sharing your story today. Thanks, Nathan. Lauren Archer on the Manson Mitchell Show.